In Trump time, truth, straight, no chaser, the definitive insider's account of the White House of Trump. Peter Navarro's In Trump Time War Room is brought to you by Getter, the Twitter killer. Sign up for Getter today and strike a blow against cancel culture. Getter, the Twitter killer, an ultimate in social media engagement. Now here's Dr. Peter Navarro deep in the D.C. swamp from the In Trump Time War Room. Hi, I'm Peter Navarro, and welcome to episode 23 of the In Trump Time podcast. Today, I want to share with you a little of the prep work I did for a segment with the inestimable Greg Kelly on his 7 p.m. Newsmax show. For such prep, it's always good to go back and refresh one's memory regarding the data. In this case, the Greg Kelly segment would focus on the question of the fairness and integrity of the 2020 presidential election. The predicate for this discussion is damning polling evidence that clearly indicates at least half of the American people and a significant share of independents believe the election may well have been rigged while a stunning one-third of voters want that election overturned. This is indeed a stunning result given the steady drumbeat from the mainstream media about how the election was the fairest in history and only crackpots and right-wing extremists claim there were problems. Unless half of the American people are crackpots and right-wing extremists, that's a pretty bad take from CNN and MSNBC and the New York Times. At any rate, to keep it simple, I want to revisit the situations and numbers for three battleground states, Arizona, Georgia, and Wisconsin. I've gone on television repeatedly to talk about the 50,000 ghost voters that the Republican Senate in Arizona uncovered with the forensic audit of Maricopa County. The neat thing about that number is that once we know that Biden took the absentee ballots by about two to one, you can do a very simple math calculation. That calculation starts with this observation. Ghost voters are those voters casting absentee and mail-in ballots who do not live at the residence from which those ballots were cast. They are clearly illegal ballots and should clearly be subtracted from the vote total. In Arizona's case, if you simply eliminate those 50,000 ghost voters, that is a swing of 17,000 votes in favor of Trump because of Biden's two-to-one advantage in absentee ballots. Of course, that 17,000-vote swing is more than enough to offset the alleged Biden victory margin in Arizona of about 11,000 votes. Now, let me make a small confession here. I have been a bit lazy about making similar calculations for some of the other battleground states. So, in preparation for The Greg Kelly Show, I went back and dug into the data and came up with a few more calculations for your amusement, and perhaps your outrage, if you are a Trump supporter. Let's start with Georgia. The big principle here is that all six of the battleground states where the election was decided, Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Nevada differed in the way the Democrats stole the election. For example, in Arizona, as I just mentioned, 
ghost voters played a particularly important role. In Georgia, what I call the cesspool of Georgia, there were numerous games afoot, but perhaps the most important was that regarding signature match. Signature match is the process by which an absentee ballot signature is checked with the signature on file with the registrar. It is one of the most important ways of ensuring that illegal ballots don't slip into the stream. Now, in 2020, Democrat Stacey Abrams maneuvered Rhino Republican Brian Kemp, the governor, into signing a closed-door secret and illegal consent decree that effectively eliminated signature match for absentee and mail-in ballots. Not coincidentally, Georgia had the biggest drop in rejection rates of absentee and mail-in ballots of any state in the union. That rate went from about 6% in the 2016 presidential election to effectively zero in 2020. Now, here's where the numbers get interesting. In Georgia, the number of absentee ballots jumped from around 200,000 in 2016 to more than 1.3 million. That's about a six-fold jump. At the same time, we know factually that 65% of these absentee and mail-in ballots went in favor of Joe Biden in 2020. And here's what's also fascinating in terms of numbers. In 2016, the absentee and mail-in ballots in Georgia were split between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump in about the same ratio as the Election Day voting. To put this another way, Donald Trump did just about as well in the absentee ballots as he did on Election Day. In sharp, sharp contrast, in 2020, Joe Biden had a 30-plus advantage on Trump in the absentee ballots versus a 23-plus Republican edge for Trump on Election Day. Now, when we put all this together, we can do the following calculation. If the 1.3 million absentee and mail-in ballots cast in 2020 were subjected to the same rejection rate of 6% as was observed in 2016, that would have led to the rejection of about 78,000 ballots. With those ballots going about two to one for Joe Biden, rejecting those ballots would have resulted in a swing of about 23,000 votes in favor of Trump. That's more than twice the alleged Joe Biden victory margin and, as with Arizona, more than enough to swing the election to Trump in Georgia. So, thus far, I have showed you that both Arizona and Georgia likely should have won, been won by Donald Trump. In fact, we're won when you count the votes legally. Now, what about Wisconsin? One of the big problems here, and there were many, was the abuse of the category of voting known as indefinitely confined voters. Historically, in Wisconsin, indefinitely confined voters are limited to very senior citizens and the most infirm of citizens for whom it is very, very difficult to get to the voting booth on Election Day. Now, here's the plot twist. No voter identification is required in Wisconsin for indefinitely confined voters. None. Zippo. 
So if you want to slip into this category seeking to vote illegally, this is one of the most foolproof ways to do it. Now what happened in Wisconsin is that election officials opened up the indefinitely confined voting category to anybody, and I mean anybody, who wanted to declare themselves indefinitely confined because of the pandemic. Didn't matter how young and healthy and mobile you might be, and didn't matter if you were out running and biking or going to ski slopes and restaurants and otherwise having a good time, you could vote under this category and not have to worry about presenting a photo ID. In light of all this, and with a lot of encouragement from Democratic activists to use this loophole, we saw a net increase of indefinitely confined voters from around 60,000 in 2016 to over 240,000 in 2020. Yes, that is a net increase of about 180,000 voters voting absentee under this indefinitely confined category. Again, if we do a simple calculation and drop these 180,000 voters from the rolls, that's a vote swing in favor of Donald Trump of about 60,000 ballots. That's almost three times the number of votes necessary to offset the alleged Biden victory margin in Wisconsin of about 20,000 votes. So, to summarize, in Arizona, the elimination of 50,000 ghost voters from the rolls swings 17,000 votes Trump's way, and that wipes out Biden's alleged victory margin of about 11,000 votes. In Georgia, if you simply apply the same rejection rate you got in 2016 when signature match was in effect to the 1.3 million absentee and mail-in ballots cast in 2016, that's a vote swing of about 23,000 votes in favor of Trump, wiping out Biden's alleged victory margin of about 12,000 votes. And in Wisconsin, if you eliminate the 180,000 net voter increase in indefinitely confined voters, that's a 60,000 vote swing in favor of Trump, more than enough to offset Biden's alleged victory margin of about 20,000 votes. In a future podcast, I will get into more details, particularly about Michigan and Pennsylvania, where all manner of fraud and election irregularities ran rampant. In the meantime, let's finish up the podcast with a listen to the segment I actually did with Greg Kelly of Newsmax. Check out how my prep work prior to that segment is reflected in what actually went on screen. And please, after this podcast, if you can write a review and be sure and subscribe to the podcast, that will help us reach a broader audience. And by the way, check out Greg Kelly, primetime 7 p.m. on Newsmax. Love his show. He does a great job. All right, as the boss says, let's go. This segment of the In Trump Time podcast is brought to you by Steve Bannon's War Room. Join Bannon's War Room posse and get tomorrow's news today. All signal, no noise. Bannon's War Room. It is okay to talk about the election of November of 2020, the presidential election, and ask questions. Was it fair? What about the irregularities? We need to know because, you know what, if we don't have mastery of that, could happen again if anything weird happened. And this is a free country, at least it's supposed to be, and we can talk about it. And we can, and we should read the Navarro Report, a three-volume, pretty easy-to-read report 
very straightforward, written by Peter Navarro. Peter Navarro, of course, the former trade advisor to President Trump. He became an expert on election issues and matters related to COVID. And Peter Navarro joins us right now. Peter, uh, welcome back to the show. Thank you for the Navarro report. Um, hey, this report exists and anybody can get it for free. Where, by the way? PeterNavarro.com, easy peasy. Once we read this, and we'll go through, and I, I, I'm sorry, but we need to take some baby steps because this stuff can sure. get complicated if we're not careful. What is the status of this report? It exists. What do you hope will come from it? Because as far as I know, the legal battles are basically moot. What can happen next? Greg, after, after the November 3rd election, I did a deep dive, and basically the election was decided in six battleground states. It was Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Nevada. What I found in the Navarro report was that each state, there was different kinds of election irregularities that may have basically all, pushed the direction of the election in favor of Biden and the Democrats. i give you a, just a couple of sample calculations that we found out since the Navarro report was published. The Arizona Republican Senate did a forensic audit partly because of the Navarro report. At a minimum, they found 50,000 ghost voters. Those are voters that don't exist. They voted, but they don't exist that address. If you simply throw those illegal ballots out of the count, and we know that two-thirds of the absentees went to Biden, that's a 17,000 vote swing in favor of Donald Trump. And that's enough to tip the election in Arizona to Donald Trump because the margin, the alleged margin victory is only 11,000 votes. I hear you, Peter. Now on that question, and somebody brought this up to me, and by the way, I have grave doubts about all of, uh, about the election 2020. And I, I thank you for your service and you're onto something here. But my understanding with ghost voters is, the whole thing is they don't want people voting twice. For instance, if I move, and I recently did, I don't know if I ran to the Board of Elections to let them know that. You know what I mean? Like, if I vote at my new address and not my old address, or I go back to my old address to vote, that precinct, is that vote illegal? Yeah, yeah. And, and historically, one thing good to know, Greg, is that the election that Kennedy stole from Nixon, that's historical fact now, was done on the basis of ghost voters in Chicago. There can be things like you just mentioned where somebody might have moved but still voted. But there, it also opens the door uh, to uh, illegalities and stuff in the ballot box using phony people. I'll give you one other example, which I think is instructive in Georgia. Um in Georgia, they did an illegal consent decree behind back doors that Democrat Stacey Abrams did with the rhino Republican Governor Kemp. And what they did was eliminate something called signature match, which is matching the signature on the ballot to the signature on file. It's really the most important safeguard against illegal ballots. In 2016, there was a 6% rejection of absentee and mail-in ballots. It went to zero in 2020, even as the ballots increased by sixfold, sixfold. So if you simply apply that 6% rejection rate to the 1.3 million ballots cast, and you have the two-thirds going for Biden, you get a 23,000-vote swing in Georgia on that alone, and that's enough to shift the ballot uh, uh, outcome to Trump 
uh, because uh, the alleged Biden victory margin was only 11,000 there. So these are the kinds of things. Look, we, we should have an honest discussion about about this. And everybody on either side of the aisle should want to get to the truth about this. But those are just some of the, the the ways you can kind of jury rig an election that were done in 2020. The 6%, 0%, that's wild. So in 2016, they threw out 6%. And yes. Georgia, let's face it, wasn't much of a swing state back then. 6%, then yeah. it goes to zero. That's wild. So we talk about a conversation. And I, I want that conversation, but I want more than a conversation as well. I mean, the Democrats aren't screwing around. They came up with this beast of a voting bill. Yeah. And to me, this is a fancy way of uh, making taking voter ID off the table, which most Americans want. Conversation is one thing. How do we get safeguards? How do we ensure, yes. do something like they're doing? That's the second volume of the Navarro report. What I did was look at how the Democrats engaged in what I called the grand stuff the ballot box strategy. It was increase absentee ballots and then take the election cops off the beat. And what the Democrats did was they used the state legislatures uh, and court decisions, sometimes even referenda in these states, to relax rules in a way which increased the amount of illegal votes that came into the yeah. stream. If you want to know how to stop that, you just look at what they did and you undo it. And by the way, what the Democrats are trying to do is more of the same they did in 2020 to shift the the, the, the gotcha. playing field in their direction. So it's all, Peter, I mean, it's all there. The strategy they're doing is We're going to get it, Peter. Open. I Forgive me, we, uh, we're out of time. Peter Navarro, no, no, the, the Navarro Report. Find it at PeterNavarro.com. Also get his book if you've got time. It's called In Trump Time, My Journal of America's Plague Year. We thank you, sir. To be continued, be right back. Well, that's it for this edition of Peter Navarro's In Trump Time War Room. Be sure to order your own copy of In Trump Time today on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. And you may want to try the audiobook. This innovative production features the voices of everyone from Stephen K. Bannon, Victor Davis Hanson, and Corey Lewandowski to President Trump himself. In Trump Time. Truth. Straight. No chaser. The definitive insider's account of the White House of Trump. In Trump Time. Buy it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble today.